Hey Dave, 1999 called and they want their business strategy back. Today we're going to talk about how you as a business owner can update your business strategy on this edition of The Inside BS Show. Hey now, I'm Nikki G. This is The Inside BS Show. With me today is Dave Lorenzo, my partner, the godfather of growth. Dave, how are you? I'm great, Nikki G. How are you doing? 1999, huh? It was a good year. <laughs> it was, but guess what? They want those old business strategies back that are still being employed today. So we need to help out our audience. All right, spark up the fax machine, break out your VCR, put those floppy disks in the computer. We're talking old school business strategy versus new school business strategy. And Nikki G and I have three areas that we're gonna talk about today where you need to constantly update your business strategy. The first area, Nikki G, is sales and marketing systems. So the old school sales and marketing approach was cold calling and pitching strangers and how can I put you in this product or this service today? Think vacuum cleaner salespeople, timeshare salespeople, Tupperware parties, Amway products, Ktel and Ronco on your TV selling you everything from swinging to the 80s to the Richard Simmons deal a meal. That was the old school way of selling crap. And it was crap. So the new strategy, the strategy that we love, the strategy that every business owner should be employing is delivering value first, developing relationships, and then after you've developed a relationship and delivered value, look for ways that you can help the person that you're trying to sell to. Nikki G, let's talk a little bit about the new school way of approaching sales, the relationship-based way of approaching sales. How do you approach people who you want to work with you? Well, Dave, before even approaching people, I first need to know who am I approaching, right? Like who is your best potential customer out there that you want to reach? I mean, that's number one, is really understanding who you want to be the customers for your business and who will be best a best fit for what you are providing to the market. And that can change. So it may not from year to year be the same. Right? especially with consumers, their behaviors change. So you need to understand that, and from that starting point, then you can think about how am I going to market to them? Because I'm not just going to cold call, cold call them like we used to. I'm going to have a very strategic approach to reaching those people. Where are they? What, what events are they going to? I'm thinking about you know, how I can get in front of them directly and get in front of as many of them as I can. So those are some of the initial considerations I'm thinking about and then develop the strategic approach to go ahead and reach them. Yeah, people are really sophisticated today and they will do a significant amount of research before deciding whether or not to work with you. They're gonna do research into you. They're gonna do research into the product or service that you're selling. They're going to read online reviews. They're going to look for testimonials. They may even call current clients to talk about what you're doing and how you're doing it. And then most people, especially in the B2B space, are going to prepare a list of questions that they're going to ask you in advance. So 
you will not just be qualifying them as a client, they will be qualifying you as a prospective service provider. And then after all that's done, if they think you're worthy of a meeting, you're gonna be taking the Pepsi challenge against three or four or five other competitors. So the best bet for you is to deliver an enormous amount of value first, and you can do it in three different ways. The first way would be try and solve a problem for them. So figure out, do your homework, do your due diligence, figure out what problems your customer, your client is currently experiencing and see what you can do to solve that problem. Even if it means connecting them with somebody who is not in your industry, they have a problem that's outside of your industry and you want to sell them widgets, you can connect them with people who are outside of your industry to help them solve an unrelated problem and they're gonna say, wow, this person cares about me. They're a person who's interested in providing value. The second way that you can provide value is through education. So help them make a good decision. Even if that good decision means they're not gonna hire you, give them the criteria for making a decision. Educate them on the industry, educate them on the market, educate them on the overall economic picture and how it relates to their business that will help them make a better decision. And then the third way is by delivering a fantastic friction-free experience. And that means being pleasant when you're communicating with them to set the appointment up, setting the appointment up when it's convenient for them, making it easy to set the appointment up, making it easy for them to work with you, being the type of person they want to be around. That overall experience is 80% of the entire ball game. You could be up against a competitor who is more qualified, a competitor who has better resources, a competitor who has a lot more experience, but if the competitor's person, the front-facing person for that competitor is a jerk, and you're not, and they like being around you, you got a better shot at getting the deal. So those are kind of the three ways that I see updating your strategy, updating your approach from a sales perspective. What do you think? Yeah, very, very high level takeaway from this, Dave, is it's about delivering value to the potential customer. It's not about you, right? That's what, that's what cold calling used to be about. You make that phone call and it's how can I sell myself in 30 seconds to a minute because that's your window. It's not about you. And that needs to be the first thing you're thinking because it's really a mindset that's going to help put you out in front of the other com competitors who are trying to get that same business as you are. And you will really stand out when you're the one who's delivering value, you're solving problems, and closing that transaction is going to be far easier once you've already done that. You essentially set yourself up for winning the client by providing value from the front. That's right. That's right for sure. So business strategy, 1999 calling, wanting their approach back. Number two is leadership development. I remember, so leadership development, listen, when I was a youngster, I feel like I'm like the, the old grandpa sitting on the porch now. Nikki G, when I was a youngster, everything was uphill, both ways in the snow, barefoot. <laughs> when I was a youngster, leadership development was follow this guy around for two weeks and then here are the keys, good luck. That was leadership development. These days, that has all changed. So give us your perspective, Nikki G, on leadership development today versus leadership development old school. 
Yeah, and even for me, the old school way was just you shadow someone and you learn as you go. Or trial by fire. I used to hear that a lot too. Just throw them in there, they'll figure it out. And then eventually you'll put in the time and you will be elevated to a higher position because you've been here so long and you've kind of just figured it out and, and now you know what you're doing. That needs to go back to 1999 because now it is about making sure we are providing training in a thoughtful and planned out way so that we can develop our next generation of leadership. And we're doing that by having a structured training program in place. It's not learning on the fly. It is, we are sitting down and thinking about exactly how we're going to train our next generation of leaders. What is most important to our company? What are the you know, key positions that we, we have to fill in this company? And like, how are we going to get there? And that is your roadmap to be able to fill those positions in the right way and provide the right training because that matters most that you are providing that development, especially in the current times where that's really important to employees and their decision is where's my place with this company long-term, not you know what is the immediate position for me. They're thinking long-term and so should you. And having that training program in place will help you, you know, not only retain that talent, but also make sure that they're prepared for those moments when they will be taking over. What do you think, Dave? I think leadership development should be a competitive advantage for everyone who listens to this show. It should be a competitive advantage for everyone we work with. And the, the old school learn on the job, learn as you go model is a recipe for disaster these days because once again, we're in a society where our clients are more sophisticated and they expect a more sophisticated approach from a company when people are put in front of them. I can't tell you how many times I am astonished when I check into a hotel and the person in front of me doesn't know the rules of the hotel loyalty program. So I check in to the hotel and I'm whatever executive platinum status or the highest status because, you know, I'm a schmuck and I spend a bazillion nights a year on the road. And I say, I'd like to check out tomorrow at three o'clock. And they say, no, 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 sir. You don't understand. Checkout time is 11. And I say to them, well, I'm, you know, executive platinum grand poobah status. It says here, and I hold up the thing on my phone that I get to check out as late as four o'clock. And they take my phone and they go, oh, you're right. It does say that. So, you know, even something as simple as understanding the rules of engagement, understanding the rules that your company has for customers, those people, when I get a survey form, they're going to get crushed because they don't have the development program in place. And it's not the desk clerk's fault. It's the fault of the people who are managing the desk clerks. So there isn't a culture of continuous improvement in place at that, at that particular hotel. So if, if you're in a professional service firm or you're in a business that is really sophisticated and you're putting people in front of the customer that don't know the rules of engagement, that don't have the common sense to even say, oh, you want a four o'clock checkout? You know what? I will check on that and get back to you. And if I can do it, I would love to do it. Just common courtesy, if you're not teaching people to be empowered and developing each individual from a leadership perspective, you're going to be left behind because the level of service that we've become used to as a society is at the top of the, the echelon where it would, you would just be happy if you checked into a hotel and they had your reservation 
back in the back in the old days, right? So from a leadership development standpoint, we have to be more sophisticated in engaging our people and making sure that we're setting them up to succeed. So the shadow this guy and let me know how it goes doesn't work. It never worked for airline pilots and it doesn't work for the frontline employees, whether they're sweeping the floor or checking somebody into a hotel. I have to tell you that online learning programs are great and they're fantastic for teaching people theory and laying a foundation. So if you have those in your company, whether it's for leaders or it's for practitioners or people on the front lines, that's really, really good. But asking people questions and making sure they understand the why behind the what is essential. And that's what this generation, like you could call it Gen X or the current generation of employees who are coming into the workforce, they all want to know the why. They're joining companies because the companies are telling them your role is important and here's the reason why. So if you as a leader don't express that to them, you're going to be missing a key element that's going to make you less attractive to a generation of workers. What do you think? Absolutely. And you know, let me pick up on a point that you touched on, which is, you know, the customer experience. So by developing your employees to groom them for leadership positions, they are also out there interacting with your customers. And by having them be positioned well to be good leaders, you're impacting your customer experience in a positive way. So with so many options out there in the marketplace, you know, using your hotel example, with so many options in the marketplace, your customers will go somewhere else where they have a better experience. So that training internally to develop your employees is also impacting the customer experience and customers care too. And they're choosing companies and brands because of the experience that they have in their interactions. And if you take it a step further internally, the, the employees that get the crappy training, they're not going to become the managers for the next generation. So if you're missing something from a training perspective when they're entry level employees, why would they ever consider making a career out of your company? Because they see the, the way they were treated when they were onboarded and trained in the first place. The best training I've seen was, by far, hands down, was when I joined the Gallup organization. I mean, and you would expect Gallup to have a great training program because our whole mission in life, in addition to measuring and improving uh, brand value, was also measuring and improving employee engagement. So when you join Gallup, whether you joined on the business development track or you joined on the consulting and analytics track, the first thing you did was they shipped you off for three weeks to Lincoln, Nebraska to be baptized into the Gallup culture so that you learned everything there was to learn about Gallup. And they did mock client presentations like from the end of the first week all the way through to the end of week three. So you literally were learning something in the morning and then the afternoon you were sitting across the table from someone who would pretend to be a client asking you questions about that. So that pretty much every scenario anyone had ever faced and they brought people, experienced people in from the field to do these with you, 
anything that you could face out in the field, any question you could potentially be asked, you were being asked during this three week, and the weekends included, we worked on the weekends too. So 21 days of training so that you knew what to expect. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I got in front of a client, I was shocked at how easy it was. They didn't ask me any of those questions. I didn't have to know any of that stuff. All I had to do was ask good questions and be interested, and the client moved on to the next step in the process. But Gallup's training program, their onboarding program, was so immersive and so intensive, that three-week investment of my time, I felt like I could be in front of anybody and nobody would be able to stump me on any of our stuff. And as somebody who had to sell multi-million dollar consulting engagements, that gave me all the confidence in the world. I never was at a loss for anything product or service related when I was in front of the customer. And I was never at a loss for what that experience was gonna be like because I had 21 days of people who had been punched in the mouth by clients over and over again, going up against me, asking me these questions, teaching me how to respond. That intensive program made my onboarding experience such a tremendous relief that getting in front of chief HR officers, getting in front of chief marketing officers, eventually getting in front of CEOs, I felt like I had situational expertise that they didn't have. Now, most companies are not gonna invest that kind of time, like a 21-day period, immersing someone in the culture, but you can take a brand new employee and give them two weeks of intensive on-the-job training where you put them in some of the most difficult scenarios so that they feel comfortable in handling that stuff. You can take a new manager and put them in a situation where they have some of the most difficult conversations in a mock setting before they ever have to experience it. So I, that, that type of investment, it pays off in spades down the road because when your employees find themselves in situations, my, my son's martial arts instructor had this great saying, which I, I love to repeat when we talk about stuff like this. And the saying goes, under pressure, you revert to your highest level of training. So whatever level of training that you have, under pressure, that's what you're going to revert to. So if you've done the fundamentals well and you've trained and drilled in the fundamentals into your leadership, into your employees, when they're under pressure, they're gonna to revert to that highest level of training. And that's the thing to think about. If you've given people no training, when they're put under pressure, they're gonna crumble or they're gonna freelance and it's not gonna work out well. Yeah, they're definitely going to go back to whatever their default may be, and it's not something that you taught them. So you really run a risk there. Um, that's that's very well said. I, I'm still so surprised, Dave, that there are employees, and I, and I meet them, and, and they'll, they'll say, you know, they've had no training whatsoever at their job. I, I don't... I, I don't understand how, you know, companies aren't training employees in some way today. It's just not... A good way to build culture it's not a good way to develop and retain employees and it's not good for their experience and, and what that will do to your reputation in the marketplace no i completely agree i completely agree all right so business strategy number three 1999 called they want their business strategy back 
is cybersecurity. So, Nicola, you know what cybersecurity was back in my day? <laughs> when you leave, turn off the computer and put the floppy disks in a safe. That was cybersecurity back in the old days. Nowadays, it ain't nothing like that. What do you think people should be thinking about when it comes to business strategy and cybersecurity? Making sure they're locking their filing cabinets. I'm kidding. So it was the same for me. We, we would receive documents on floppy disks, later CDs, then thumb drives, all of which are obsolete today, which, you know, this will continue to happen. So we, we can't be stuck in the past, certainly not with cybersecurity and the access of the internet, because there are so many risks to businesses today that we see associated with a lack of, you know, good cybersecurity measures in place. So you have to really be thinking about how can I best protect my company? And there's so many ways to do that. So let me just touch on a few. First and foremost, like passwords need to be complicated. They cannot be short and easy. It cannot be your, your, your mother's maiden name or your dog's name and a few numbers. No, you need two-factor authentication at a minimum. Thinking about better ways to protect access to your systems. Regular updates for all of your systems. You know, not neglecting those, make sure that's going on on an ongoing basis performing regular audits of the company's cybersecurity and your, your systems and processes and making sure everything remains secure at all times. Um, also putting into place proper procedures for handling you know, materials and, and sensitive information of the company. Um, think about when your employees are, are out and if you have you know, folks who work remotely or, or you have sales folks who are on the go, they're using you know, mobile phones, they're using laptops. You know, what are you doing to make sure that that information is protected when they are accessing your server, when they're accessing the internet with information on their computer that belongs to the company? So you really need to be thoughtful about having measures in place at every step to make sure that you're best protecting not only your company's confidential, proprietary, and possibly trade secret information, but also information of your customers that you're responsible for making sure that you're keeping confidential. Yep, two-factor authentication, biometrics to make sure that your laptop is secure when you're on the road. Oh my gosh, screen protectors for when you're on the plane. I told this story the other day. So I get on a plane, got it like four weeks ago, and I'm flying from Miami to DC. And one of our state senators is on the flight with me. I'm not going to say which one. You can figure out which of the two knuckleheads did this. So I'm sitting a row behind first class. I'm sitting in row eight, which is right behind row four. I don't know where those four rows went, but it goes from four to eight. And I'm sitting in row eight, and my seat is the aisle seat, and there's three across. So row four is a little inside. And the state, the, the senator for our state, the U.S. senator for our state is sitting directly in front of me. And I can look on an angle and see what he's working on on his computer. So we're flying and I peek around where that little curtain is. Sure enough, he's working on a spreadsheet that has the word budget on it. And there's numbers on there that I can see clear as day. And if I wanted to, I could take out my little cell phone and take a picture of that screen. You gotta have a screen protector on your screen so that only the person directly in front of you can see. And if you've got sensitive information, do not work on it on a plane. I mean, your cybersecurity is a personal responsibility as well as a company responsibility. So 
Don't work on sensitive information on a plane. When you travel, use a VPN. You may even wanna stay off the hotel Wi-Fi. Use a personal network along with your VPN because sensitive information can easily be accessible everywhere. We've done a couple of shows on it with Cyber Cathy, Queen of the Cloud. This is not 1999. You're not reading a spreadsheet that you can hold really close to your face so nobody can see. If you're sitting out in the open at a Starbucks, somebody can glance over your shoulder and take a picture of your screen if you don't have that screen protector on. So cybersecurity from a company perspective, cybersecurity from a personal perspective, that's not 1999. That's 2023 into 2024. Those are the cybersecurity aspects of our business today that we need to focus on. So let's take this whole thing home, Nikki G, and let's talk about what people should do as a result of this. I think people should, from my perspective, look at every aspect of their business. So we've got 10 value drivers that are available on our business website, exitsuccesslab.com. If you go to exitsuccesslab.com, forward slash articles and just scroll down and look for the 10 key drivers go in there find them and check the 10 key drivers against your business strategy are you looking at 1999 or are you looking at 2023 2024 what do you think yeah it's, it's about a holistic approach and we've given you we've broken it down into 10 key areas so that you can think about those and ask yourself am i up to date or am i sitting back in 1999 it is about getting up to date because that's going to help your business today to add value for it. And it's going to position you for your eventual exit, which could be maybe in the near future or it could be years down the road. But either way, it's adding value to you as you're doing this. You gotta revisit that business strategy, folks. And while you're revisiting your business strategy, revisit us, come back here again. And if you like what you heard, share it with somebody else. We don't, we don't have any advertising. We got nothing to promote the show other than your goodwill and you sharing the show with people you care about. When you share the show, you may just improve the life of somebody else or, well, just get some good karma. Nikki G's making a little heart on the screen right now. You can't see it, but it's, it's very cute. So join us again for another show, folks. We'll see you back here. Until tomorrow, I'm Dave Lorenzo. I'm the godfather of growth. And the woman making the heart on the screen is... Nikki G. We'll see you again tomorrow, folks. Thanks for joining us.